You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. If you have ever had a big life decision before you, if you've ever lost sleep thinking about something that is coming up that you're going to have to deal with, maybe it's a confrontation in your life or maybe at work, if you have just around the corner what feels like a major life change and you felt that stress, that burden in your heart, you're a human being, first of all, but this morning, right, everybody's like, yes, I have all four of those things, then I'm sure that you've played in that, in that time, in that moment, you've played in, that, in your head, that life chess game where you're kind of like playing moves, three moves ahead. Well, what if this happens, then I'm going to do this. But actually to secure the best outcome for my life, to kind of control things here, I need to make these decisions. It's critical that I do things this way and I don't mess it up. Have you ever felt that? I feel that. I, still, I always feel that. I feel that all the time. Trying to make sense of our life and these next steps that we have to make um, is kind of the, the place that we live and breathe every day. And so often in my own life, when I'm doing that, that chess game in my head, um, and I fall down kind of what feels like to me a staircase of decisions and events that just come at me and hit me, sometimes I feel like totally out of control, like I'm just responding to things that are coming my way, right? Just putting out fires, trying to do the best that I can. And it's always way late in that process that I think, maybe I should pray about this, <laughs> Has anyone ever felt, I'm a priest, and like, I should be praying, right? But it still comes so late to me. It doesn't occur to me. It's not because I don't believe that God cares, or I don't believe in God, but it just doesn't occur to me. I just don't think about that. Living with an awareness of God in our lives, but also with an understanding that God actually cares about the way our life is going, man, that's a hard thing to learn, isn't it? It takes a lifetime for me. I'm still learning this. It's a hard habit to break. This morning, our readings lead us to a realization that God actually has a very vested interest in our lives. Which I could stop there, sit down, let's come to the table, right? Some of y'all need to hear that. I need to hear that. God actually cares about how your life is going. He's involved. He created you. Check this out. God has a purpose for your life. He has like really sweet and beautiful plans that if he let you in on those plans, you mind would be blown. It would just be like, that's crazy. I couldn't believe it. God has that kind of desire and investment. He's a stakeholder in your life. He cares about where things are going. And too often, too often, we forget that. And we live as if, Maybe God's got more important things going on than what's going on in our lives. Well, this morning um, in the reading from Isaiah 58, and really in all the readings we're going to see this, it's a story of a people who chronically forget that not only God exists, but that he has a vested interest in their life. Like he has a plan for them. He has a purpose for them. When we're looking at Isaiah 58, for instance, Israel, God's people, has been called to be the instrument through which God would bless the entire world with his goodness. And again and again, Israel would forget this fact. They would go on living as if God had not chosen them for this purpose. They would forget this. And so the prophet in chapter 58, beginning at verse 9, he 
He calls Israel back. Do you remember? Remember. Remember who you are. Let me read this section for us again. Verse 9. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. Remember, Israel? Do you remember who God has called you to be? If you would just put away those things that y'all are doing that obviously indicate that you have forgotten who you are and why I've called you, if you would just remember who you are and put those things aside, that, remember that I have chosen you for a purpose. I have a vested interest in your life because through you I want to bless the entire world. I'm trying to do something beautiful here, God's saying through his prophet. If you would only depend on God to guide you, then you would find water in your desert. You would be like that well-watered garden. You would find strength for your life. God would actually take the ruins of your life and rebuild them. God would take the ruins of your society and rebuild them. This is what God is planning. But only if they would decide to return home to who they really are. You would see that these people, if they remembered who they were, they would care for the poor. They would give away their belongings. They would take in those who are hungry and feed them. Their house would be a soup kitchen for the neighborhood. If my people would just remember who they are. They would be relief for those who are being crushed. Instead of being defensive, blaming other people, pointing the finger, the problem's not really with me, the problem is really with this or that in society. I mean, we could talk like for 45 minutes about just that fact. We see the ailments of our society falling apart with violence and racism and violence and violence and violence and division and them versus us. All that business that we so naturally do. By the way, we don't have to go to college to learn how to do that, right? For some reason, we all know how to do that. God's saying, look, if you would put that away, instead of being defensive, you would own up to the fact that your life is in ruins, this society is in ruins. Instead of being defensive and fearful and ultimately self-centered, if you would just receive my call for your life, God's saying, and return home, you would see the beautiful things that I'm trying to make and remake. A view of life with you at the center ruins lives, destroys them. We, and we all do it. There's not a single person here who doesn't struggle with this. For instance, when someone shows you a picture on Instagram or they tag you or like, hey, you remember this time and they show you an old photo? Who's the first person you look for in that photo? Yourself. Why? It's just in our bones, right? We just can't help but being a little self-centered. The universe revolves around us. We get it. We're, we have an interest in our lives, right? We want to see how we look. This is just built in for us. And so this prophet's word is, is not only a word for those people for Israel so long ago, but it's actually a word for us, right? To return not to a, a self-centered life, but a God-centered life. And when we do, we discover this life is generous and it's caring. It's a life also that tells time differently. Did you notice this in the reading? A life with God at the center doesn't look to clocks or work, work weeks to make sense of schedules. A life with God at the center begins with his Sabbath day. If you would just, folks, I'm like, pretend I'm the prophet here, okay? If you would just 
Observe the Lord's day for once. Make that a priority. If your work week would begin on Sunday, your whole life begins on Sunday, if you would just remember who you are and make that a priority instead of like, well, it's the last day of the weekend, we'll see how I feel. If you in this small way would prioritize a God-centered view of your life, you would see things change. Listen to what verse 13 says. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, y'all, this can be fun. It is. And the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, if you would just center your life on God's time, the way he arranges things. This is a real simple way of doing this. What God is inviting his people to isn't some sort of like obligatory, like, oh, we got to go back. We got to go to the temple. We got to go to church. We got to earn our favor with God. It's none of that. You'd miss the point if you heard that. What God is inviting his people to is to to observe a real Sabbath, a God-dependent living, leaning on the resources of the kingdom of God for your life and not on anything else. And in Jesus we have even a more clear picture of what the prophet is pointing to. In Jesus, we see what Sabbath was really all about, what it looks like. As Christians, we confess that Christ alone is our true rest. He's the one we come to that gives us that deep breath, lifts burdens off of us, and welcomes us home. And so to be so gathered around Christ is to truly Sabbath and is to truly be saved, to be gathered around Jesus. We see what the Sabbath was designed for when Jesus is healing this woman, which was like a huge, no, no, don't do that. You don't do any work, including healings. Jesus says, is Sabbath not to free those who are in bondage? If it's not for that, then it's not for anything. That's what this is about. Sabbath is that day that rescues us from the toil of work, earning our living, as we say, from the deceit of a self-sufficient, self-dependent, self-centered life. Sabbath is that invitation to find our true rest in Christ. Did you notice that Jesus didn't cancel this Sabbath law? When he was being conf- confronted about it, he didn't say, all right, hey, let's just do, with the whole, do away with the whole Sabbath thing, right? My bad, okay? No, he didn't. He said uh, he fulfilled this law. He actually revealed more of what this Sabbath observation was all about, revealing that in him is that true rest that you're all looking for. In him is that true home that we need. So that's a really key idea for us to think about, just to sit with for a second. To be a human being, to be alive as God's created one, is to arrange our lives around him, to arrange our time according to him, like we've talked about, including our money that we give to the poor or the food that we give to others, our agendas and our plans, arranging all of the pieces of our life around God's purposes. Not ours. Not ours. Man, that's so hard. It doesn't come natural. I'm saying this and I'm thinking that is so tough sometimes. I wonder if uh, this is why the psalmist prayed the way he did in Psalm 103. Did you see this? I know this is like a really beautiful psalm. I hear it in a very different way than like 
yeah, y'all, let's worship. I hear it more like, hey, soul, I know you are lazy. Get your lazy self up. Let's bless the Lord. I don't know why I hear it that way, but that's the way I hear it. Have you ever wanted to stay in bed on Sunday mornings? I have. You kidding me? Yeah, I do. I, I sometimes want to stay home and not, you know, go to, go to church. Um, and I got to tell myself, yo, get up, dude. What are you doing? What more important thing you got going on this week? Nothing. Get yourself up. Go to church. Lead people in worship. I know, and I know if I'm feeling that a little bit, I know that y'all feel that a little bit oftentimes, right? Our souls are lazy. We want to just like have other plans. But our invitation this morning is to center our lives on God and return to that home. And when we do, I know it's sometimes hard to get here, but you know when you get here and then you're here and then it's like, oh man, what was I even sweating about? This is like, I remember now. You see how easy we forget how all these things get in our way and then we just get here and you smell that incense and you're like, oh, that's what I'm talking about. I'm home. I smell the mercy of God. I smell that love of God. I remember all that he's done for me. This is what the psalmist is saying. In verse 1 he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And do not forget all his benefits. Namely, who forgives all of your iniquity. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Who heals all your diseases. I had a buddy in college who um, in the morning would set up no less, I'm not joking, this is not an exaggeration, no less than five alarm clocks all over his room in different locations that were all going off at the same time. Some of them staggered like 10 minutes later because he knew he would hit this one, he'd throw a flip-flop at that one, and then he would really have to get up 10 minutes later to turn the last one off. And I remember hearing all these alarm clocks going on in his room and coming in and be like, dude, just get up, bro. Why you got to wake everybody up? It's the same way with us. This is psalmist prayer. Bless the Lord. Don't set some alarm clocks. Just make a decision. Go to bed early. Arrange your life accordingly to set God as a priority. And when that's tough, ask for his help. Those folks sitting right next to you, would you help me orient my life around God's purposes, please? Because this is tough. I just need help. I want to receive the life that God wants to give me. Would you help me with that? Join a table group. Nudge those people at coffee hour and say, look, help me out. I want to live with God as the center of my life. And you know what happens when we don't live as though God is the center of our lives? When we don't get our lazy self up and want to bless the Lord? It's not that we don't go bless things. Y'all, this is like serious evidence that we are, as human beings, created as priests, as people who have to bless things. Because when we don't bless God, we end up blessing all kinds of other things. It just happens. We can't keep it from happening. We lift our souls to like basically anything else that we find worthy. And all that is within us, we lift up toward these things. They're kind of like sacraments in our society. Things that our whole world is calling us to bless this thing, make it really important. But eventually, those counterfeit sacraments that beg us to worship them, they're exposed some diet that just feeds us death, actually. They never deliver on the things they want to promise us. We make plans without God and are surprised when our life feels like it's without God. We make a whole bunch of decisions and then one day think, Lord, where are you? Are you kidding? Doesn't make any sense. We have these fragile lives that 
don't quite hold together and we wonder like god where are you at can you help me hold things together and the whole while he is speaking through his prophet saying if you would just come home let me take care of you if you would just allow me to be the centerpiece things would begin to hold together you would see the way to truly live the good life so church remember who you are remember who god is making you to be not a bunch of individuals with fragile lives that are falling apart because we're out scattered trying to pursue other interests and blessing other things a bunch of individuals who sell their souls to the cheapest promise of fulfillment that comes next that's not you don't sell out like that you're created for something way more beautiful no you have come in contact with a new and living hope in jesus You have come face to face with one who is most powerful and has declared you to be beloved and good and righteous and holy and pleasing to God in him. In Jesus, God has grabbed you by the scruff of the neck and brought you into his presence and said, once you were not a people, now you are my people. Now you live in a new land, a new territory. A new Jerusalem, Mount Zion, the writer of Hebrew tells us. And that life, that place that God has brought us into, y'all, it's a fulfilled life at rest. There is a true Sabbath where if you could just even imagine it, your whole soul right now would just take a deep breath and think, oh God, that's so good, thank you. Yes, this is what I'm looking for. A life where there is justice, where things are being made right, where there's deep satisfaction in our bones that we look for in every other place. We're not going to find it there. We only find it in the care of God, where wrongs in our life are made right and we're healed. A place where when we come home, we're not called screw-ups or failures, but we are named good and beloved. Church, this is your home this is where you live this is who you are it's this hill that we ascend every lord's day when we come to this church and we literally ascend this hill you see this this isn't just you can see me y'all are coming with me right we're ascending this hill together coming home to that home-cooked meal that our souls long for you can even smell it before you even hit the doors and you know you're home this is the place that god is inviting us to stay in and abide in and live in. What a good place. And when we can just receive this reality, when we cooperate with this God-centered home in our lives, our whole reality changes. Y'all say this with me. I am a beloved child of God. I I live in his unshakable kingdom. Amen. That's who you are. Y'all, welcome home. Listen to Hebrews 12, verse 28. I'm going to read this for us. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire. When we come to Christ and God establishes his unshakable kingdom around our lives, He's not keeping us from some good life outside of that, but is actually giving us that good life in himself. 
And that kingdom is available to every single one of you this morning. If you think you're on the outside of that kingdom, there's no reason you need to stay there. You can come on in by faith. Receive Jesus as Lord and come to his table. Having received such a gift, you will re- you'll realize like, oh, this is why I was made. Oh, man, wh- why am I out there toiling, looking around for other things and wondering like, I am so deeply unsatisfied. Now when I come to the table and I eat the bread of life, Jesus' body, it's himself. There's something alive that happens to me. And I'm home. And as the writer of Hebrews says, when you receive such a gift of being welcomed into this unshakable kingdom, you realize your vocation as a human being in the world. You give thanks. Did you notice this? Literally this word, if you were to look at it in the Greek, is eucharistos. Does that sound familiar? When you come to the table and we offer thanks, eucharist, lifting up our hearts, not to another, not to some counterfeit, but lifting our hearts to the Lord, as we say in the liturgy, standing in his presence in total awe with him at the center, ready to cooperate with his goodwill, something begins to happen here in us. That good life has found us. Friends, this morning as we come to the table, I, I want to ask a question for us, just to reflect on together, take a moment of silence and think as we prepare to come to the table. I want to put a question on you. I wonder what is keeping you from living in God's kingdom? What control, what worry, what habit, what wounds hold you up? I wonder if this morning God can help you to let those things go and free you up to truly live under his care. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.